Hello, it's Richard C. Wilson of the Family Office Club. I have with me here today. Hey, welcome, John. Hey, thanks. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Okay, so uh, what really do? Yeah, so we uh, we just turned 18 years old. So I guess we can vote. <laughs> uh, we were uh, founded out of the ashes of Arthur Anderson. So a lot of great things, I think, came from, from Arthur Anderson. Great firm. Uh, we are a multifamily office, over 60% owned by a group of clients. Uh, not all of our clients, just some original ones and some for that. And we have 58 client families in 30 different states. Uh, notwithstanding our name, most of our clients and assets are outside of uh, the wonderful, wonderful metropolis of St. Louis, Missouri. And um, so we're, we're a multifamily office. We help our clients with everything. Um, we have 53 employees serving 58 client families, about, uh, about 200 million uh, of, of wealth uh, per family on average. Kind of ranges, you know, kind of our sweet spot is the 50 to 500 million range. We have some over that and some over that, under that, but that's, that's kind of who we work with. Okay. And what's the scope? I mean, with, with that many clients, I'm sure there's a very wide breadth of investment scope, but um, can you talk a little bit about what they're putting their capital into as an average family at 200 million net worth and where there's kind of a gap of, um, you know, with 58 people, I'm sure you're able to go out, do research and fill any gaps fluidly as it comes up. But where is there kind of a thirst for more types of direct investments or deal flow? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say that First of all, to start with, uh, it, you know, we don't really, well, we definitely have our own recommended investments and, you know, mainly oversee what our, our uh, you know, report on and allocate and recommend what our clients invest in. Um, we also have a lot of other investment advisors that we work with. So, you know, most families that come to us don't just say, hey, you know, I want to fire my existing investment advisor or I have this big bag of cash, even though it does sometimes happen. I mean, they often have, like, I want to keep my relationship with my Goldman Sachs broker or this IRA or this, you know, I have money that, that I don't want to move. And we're totally fine with that. We're agnostic about right. where it is. We download every night from over 70 customers custodians. Um, I would say what's interesting is over the years, uh, we have both recommended and clients have also uh, followed on with in, in the public markets, we've gone more and more passive. Some of that's right. just cap weighted index passive, a lot of tax managed indexing, we use a lot of parametric and a period group. Um, so we also have done more and more factor based passive um, okay. I think that's a great way to, you know, really replicate a lot of what the managers are doing with, uh, you know, better success, lower fees, lower taxes. Uh, right. Really, where the differentiation comes in and the ability to outperform, because um, if you think about it, to outperform, you need to have at least one of three things. You need to have better information, better analysis, or better behavior. And you think about the right. public markets, it's almost impossible to have the first two. Right. So, you're, you know, we hire managers in the uh, public sphere that have better behavior, which often means having lockups so they can not be, you know, chasing returns. Uh, but if you think about private markets, you can have all three of those things. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's where we, you know, look more to access the higher performing um, managers. Okay. Um, or, or in Got public it. markets that are more, you know, concentrated and often have lockups. Okay. I'm curious. A lot of multifamily offices have challenges when they're not serving a $200 million family on average, uh -huh. just dealing with a family saying, hey, I want to buy some, ph some pharmaceutical companies. Or, hey, I want to do direct yeah. investments in 
manufacturing or direct real estate properties, how do you integrate support, um, help with due diligence or protect them from themselves or help them get deal flow? How does that work yeah. with your quality of clientele? Yeah. So to your point, even, even a family that has, you know, a hundred million dollars uh, often will struggle to meaningfully access the private markets because it's usually not a single hundred million dollar portfolio. You know, it's a, you know, mom and dad have 40 million and there's another 30 million in a family trust and it's in all these trusts. And so you struggle with minimums and diversifying by, uh, you know, vintage and style and everything else. So that, that still, that still is a challenge. And then you have fund to funds, but then you worry about, you know, the extra layer of fees and, you know, do they truly have access? So that's, that's definitely, that's definitely a challenge. So it does take quite a, quite a few assets to, to meaningfully and professionally access the private markets. Um, you know, it's interesting direct investing has become, you know, such a hot area and, it's a little bit of a head scratcher um, because if you think about it, uh, especially in the startup space, it's, it's so hard to do well. I mean, venture capital as an asset class is just, has really usually struggled. Right. Right. And, and it's right, really the right. top managers, you know, the, the founders funds and the Greylocks and the Andreessen Horowitz's and et cetera, et cetera, that have done well. And there's a persistence there because there's a certain amount of deal flow and then cachet and everything else you get from being one of these top VCs. So a, a thing we start with with our clients is, you know, did, did you find this deal or this deal find you? And why do we think that you can do better than a you know, venture capital fund. I mean, we're, we're much more in favor of, let's go to a, a you know, private equity fund, fund whether it's you know, uh, you know, buyout or growth capital or, or VC or, or whatever, unless this is your business. I mean, we definitely have some clients that you know, they, they made their money in a particular industry and they have connections and it's great, sure. or there's club investing, you, know, you get together with other families. And, but out, outside sure. of that, I just think it's, it's really challenging. And, and there's the siren song of ideas where you think an idea is a good idea, so you want to invest. But really, Richard, I'm sure you know this, it's really about who's your partner and picking the right horse, okay? It's not about, you know, which which industry or idea. It's it's more about finding the right person because most of us are not able to understand what a great idea is because great ideas often sound crazy, right? (laughs) Right. You look back right. and you're like, oh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to create a private company that can going to compete with governments to put satellites into orbit. I mean, we're, right. we're going to do build your own teddy bear. We're, you know, on and on and on. Air, Airbnb sounds sounded crazy. So right. um, it, we tell our clients it's not. So we have this whole checklist of, of we call it 10, 10 ways not to lose your money. Um, and it's uh, 10 red flags to look for in private deals. And the very last number 10 is what's the idea, you know, right. you've got to get through the other nine first. And, and it's really, it's really hard. So in a non-emotional way, we work with our clients and say, okay, let's, let's check these, let's check these boxes. And you know, yeah. we, we have a number of clients that are just really sophisticated private investors that we're, you know, you know, we're, we're helping as a sounding board. And then we have others that, you know, bring us stuff. We're probably looking at a private deal once a week. Um, but we've kind of stayed away from, you know, investing a lot of our time and effort in finding deal flow. Right. Because, and we, um, you know, we kind of look to our, you know, the, the clients that 
should be doing that are doing that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things right there. I mean, we, um, what we've been doing is focusing on the, we're like in a investor club for non non startups at the private equity.com level. So family office yeah. club is 2000 investors and all types of deals come through the club. We've got lots of angel investors and people that love early stage yeah. tech, but because there's 500 angel investment groups on every corner, and there's some very well ran ones that are very deep on due diligence. We let them do their thing. Yeah. And for the 207 investors that we look for directs for, we just kind of stay away from early stage stuff completely because of what Absolutely. you just said. Yeah. We look for kind of boring, relatively low risk, moderate return deals. Maybe there's some good upside that could happen in it, but you know, get their money off the table. Um, but to your point, the families who have the deepest expertise and can really pick the greatest investments have usually made their money in that space and you're yes. not going to be smarter than them at that space. And you're also not going to be able to take some deal easily and show it to all 200 families and say, yeah, this deal is good for all of you because they can't right. add strategic value to the deal unless right. they made their money in that space. So it's a, it's a tough thing to navigate. I know. Um, I'm also curious and then I'll get to the, the last questions and we're trying to wrap this up, you know, somewhat quickly. Um, what's the number one thing that's really allowed you guys to, to grow to $10 billion in assets, you know, and 50 employees, a lot of multifamily offices are at 1 billion, 2 billion, and they're very proud of that. Yeah. What's the difference that you guys are 10 times the size of a respectable multifamily office? Uh, yeah. So we, you know, we get a, a good referrals from, from clients and other advisors that work with us. I mean, I think our, our goal is to be in our little niche, uh, you know, uh, pretty differentiated. So it's the, you know, it's the idea that we have about a one-to-one employee to client ratio or client service people only work with, you know, five or six client families a piece. And I I think that, you know, it was really hard when we were young as a company to, to stick to that, that discipline. Um, And and we've continued to, to find clients that fit well. So we do a great job on this certain slice of client. And even if a client's going to be profitable, we don't take them unless they fit our criteria and then they become incredibly happy and raging, you know, raging fans and refer us, but it's because we were like, okay, we're just going to do this, this right here. Right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. Makes sense. The, uh, there's only a couple firms that are successful as you guys across hundreds and hundreds that we meet per year. And by chance, one of the other ones I'm thinking of says the exact same thing that said, if we tried to serve a lower end client, it would sink the boat. Yeah. Like, and it has to be this certain type of client that needs a certain type of thing. And um, it's interesting that you both say that. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think that'll help those of many type listening to this, whether they're a hedge fund, a private equity fund, you know, a real estate development firm, you know, sticking to that knitting where you're really excellent and your clients know that you are in that, that one thing. Yeah. I was asked recently, like, what am I looking back over 18 years? What, you know, what, what are the two big things that I regret or would have done differently? Yeah, and I've been there since the founding. Uh, I was one of the founding principals. And it's two things. When we have employees that we don't think is going to work out, to fire them sooner. <laughs> it never gets better, does it? It never, it, it, it does not get better or not right. enough of the time to, to do it. It just makes things worse. And yeah. taking clients that weren't fits. Mm-hmm. You know, we, right. like we took a client like five years ago. We knew he wasn't a good fit, but we were, you know, competing with Goldman Sachs on it and just got our competitive juices flowing and wanted to win. And then we won. And then like two years later, we're like, okay, this, this isn't a fit. You know? Right. <laughs> and that's, right. that's happened enough that I just continue to kick myself. But you know, you, you, uh, you, you want to serve people and, and you know, 
yeah, that's, it's, it's really yeah. the difference to only take clients that are, are, are fits. And, and even, you know, even like, you know, COVID and, you know, if assets are down and everything, you're like, Oh, you know, we need to shore up and make money. And we've still tried to have that discipline of, okay, even though financial times are tough, we need to be disciplined about who we take in. It'd be better to have a down year than to take clients that aren't fits. Right. Right. Yeah. We had experience last year with $130 million family we onboarded, just not a good fit. But then we, we almost got our number two on a $240 million net worth family. We didn't get it, but he's keeping in touch proactively with us, which we see is a good sign. We're keeping in touch proactively. It's such a good fit. I want, he's going to be our client one day, you know, maybe it's yeah. going to take us 12 yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like the right type of character in person. So I can, yeah. I can relate to that, you know, hundred percent. Um, great. Well, I think uh, we've taken up enough of your, your time here today. Yeah. You know, yeah. if anyone listening would like to get a hold of John, you know, it's one of the benefits of membership, you can help connect you if there's some way to work together. Yeah. And I write a near, I write a blog most days. So I'd love to have subscribers to that. You can find that in my you know LinkedIn or company. Oh. Uh, I also write for Forbes and do a few columns a month, um, for, for Forbes. Great. So, Always love to have, have, have readers. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe that's something that uh, we can share some of that, that content and get that exposed to some of our members and help you grow that as a thank you for being on. Yeah, my most today. recent article is on why the stock market doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will agree with that premise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's why that's the case. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, appreciate your time here today, John. Take care. Cool. Thanks Richard.